Welcome back to the Hoops Temple Podcast. You all know me, Nathan Schwartz. Joining me from Sacramento, Aaron Schroeder. Good to see you, Nate. Thanks for having me. Good to see you. Good to have you back. Good to be back. We are back at it again, ranking our top centers. We have ranked 1 through 50. We are aiming to rank 51 through 75 today. Aaron, would you care to read 1 through 50 for us? I'd love to. It'd be no great. There'd be no greater honor. Starting number one, Kareem, then Bill Russell, Tim Duncan, we considered a center, then Shaq, Wilt, Hakeem, George Mikan, Moses Malone, Jokic, Patrick Ewing at 10, David Robinson, Willis Reed, Dave Cowens, Dwight Howard, Bob McAdoo, Artis Gilmore, Joel Embiid, Bill Walton, Spencer Haywood, 20 is Mel Daniels, 21 is Robert Parrish, then Neil Johnson, Dan Issel, Nate Thurman, Wes Unselt, Alonzo Mourning, Bob Lanier, Ben Wallace, Dikimba Mutombo, Yao Meng is 30. Then Jack Sigma, Marcus Saul, Alex Groza, Brad Doherty, Ralph Sampson, Zemo Beatty, Walt Bellamy, Larry Faust, Ed McCauley, Rudy Gobert, Artie Risen, Demarcus Cousins, Bill Ambier, Al Horford, 45 is Clyde Lovellette, finishing off Bam Adebayo, Jermaine O'Neal, Damana Sabonis, Joachim Noah, and Carl Anthony Towns. Solid list. This has been in our attempts to rank out top who knows how many players. We've gotten 200 down, which has included the top 46 centers of all time. We have made changes to the list, so if you heard or have seen a TikTok of a slightly different list, hey, your guys' input does cause us to debate and go back to these lists. So if someone from that list you think should be higher or lower, email us, hoopstemple at gmail.com. Let us know. Make your best case for someone. And yeah, we're open to making some changes. So with all of that said, we're here to get into this at 51. Aaron, do you have a nomination? I just want to mention before we get into it that maybe not, probably not this pod, but eventually we're going to have to seriously consider Andre Drummond's placement among the NBA greats. We're getting there. Super close. It's almost happening. Like that, that's the that's the uh, the area we're working in, which is a lot of fun. I did have a nomination for 51. My nomination is Alvin Adams, number 51. Ooh, okay. Adams is a one-time All-Star. 1976 rookie of the year and it's really that rookie of the year season that is so special 19 points nine boards 5.6 assists a block and a half a steal and a half i believe he's top 25 on in every category which is like basically something only Giannis has done in the past in the past 10 years or so so really incredible stats but he steps it up come playoff time with 18 points and 10 boards five assists five assists still an impact defensive player in the finals versus boston 23 points 10 boards five assists really every game but game one where dave cowens has a very nice game alvin adams is the better center statistically plays just as well as cowens and had the suns beaten the celtics he's almost certainly finals mvp is he i believe so i didn't look too deeply into that because he wasn't the best player over the course of the season trying to think who would have been the other is it paul westfall well, that that would have been the uh the like clear favorite yeah. for the suns if westfall had won it that would have been quite the robbery with westfall's averaging 21 points and three boards and about five assists where adams is averaging 23 points 10 boards and about five assists 4.7 to 4.8 adams has huge games like 33 points in game three even that final game six Adams drops 20 and 9. Westfall's 14 and 3. It just I, I really feel like Adams was the best player in that uh, in that series for the Suns. Yeah, I mean looking at it here, I think you're right with this. Um got some good quotes for him. Uh their Suns assistant coach, Al Blanche, he said that he's the best passing center since Johnny Kerr. 
So uh, if you don't know who Johnny Kerr is, he's a really good passing center. Best one before Alvin Adams. <laughs> Proven. Good old Jerry Colangelo said that he has the he has total perception on the court and there isn't a smarter player in basketball. Take that for, for what you may as a uh, white center in the 70s. But, uh, you know, there, there's always some racially coded language of white guys being smarter, black guys being, you know, the best natural athletes. But uh, there, are, there are some really high compliments of him. And he's a starter on 450 win teams, including an all-star on that finals team. That's a really good case. I had him quite a ways down, but uh, the, the margin between these guys, both in the matrix and in my own rankings, I, I was debating about where to put one guy. And I was like, well, I've got can make a case anywhere between 59 and 70. So um, I don't I don't hate it for Alvin Adams. Thank you. I mean, he is a huge part of getting to a finals and then two other conference finals in 79 and in um, 84. Now, his role declines over time. It's an interesting peak, you know, peaking in his rookie season. But with time, guys kind of adapt. But he always was an excellent passer. He kind of stopped rebounding eventually. He was only 6'9", so I get it. But um, he played almost a 1,000 games all with Phoenix. I, I personally really like that. Whether mm-hmm. there's a ton of value in playing for one franchise, I just think that's cool that he was able to stay in Phoenix for so long. I mean, 75 to 88 is a ton of time. Um, and he's always, he I mean, career averages of 14 points, 7 boards, 4 assists. He was always quite effective. Interesting. All right. I, I had three guys that, that I kind of had locked in as these were going to be my next three nominations. And then there's kind of a, a big malaise of players um, of which Adams is in that malaise is for me. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I want to run these three names past you and see if we can get any of them or all of them over Adams. Okay, go ahead. In no particular order, Volade Divac, Brooke Lopez, and DeAndre Jordan. You're You're trying to get me on my... On my Kings fan of mine, you're trying to give me for Vlade. I, you know, I like him. That's interesting. On, um, I had Brook Lopez a little ways down, but I thought I was high on him. I had DeAndre quite a ways away. He was very DeAndre Jordan's really effective at what he did in terms of rebounding, in terms of, of shot blocking, but had such a massive flaw in terms of free throw shooting. Oh yeah, that I just I don't see him as a super effective player. Where these guys like were in the serviceable tier, fringe all star, fringe all NBA if you're lucky. Can they be a good piece of a good team? And I, I feel like Jordan really couldn't. Like the Clippers were good regular season teams, but he's going out in the playoffs and shooting like 25% from the line. And you're not beating anybody. Like people that the people bash on Chris Paul for being a choker. Meanwhile, his center is like one of 40 from the free throw line. It's like, what, what do you think is going to happen? Like, you know, I, I'm just, I'm not there on DeAndre, but I'm interested in Vlade. I want to hear you make the Vlade Divac case. I want to hear, I want to hear all about it. So the Vlade Divac case starts with Vlade as a Laker. Yeah, that's why well, I should have known. It had nothing to do with the Kings. Huh? Never no, did. It was all about the Lakers. So 93, or actually let's just start in 91, where Vlade is a key piece um, of a Lakers team that's kind of falling apart at the seams. You got James Worthy injury. You got um, Byron Scott injury. You've got that the team doesn't really have much. And Vlade is a gifted passer. He's bringing the ball up the floor for sometimes. It's like him and Magic and Sam Perkins trying to make this like team work uh, without Worthy being where he's at. And Vlade hits this high level of, of play where he can be a starter, a key offensive cog that, you know, as guards stop being true point guards, you start having more and more scoring guards. 
having a playmaking big man is just so valuable having that passing in big man um and it starts in la but then it continues in charlotte and continues in sacramento and you know the case for alan adams is that one rookie season is so good uh but it does it tails off really quickly it tails off immediately as the merger happens and so i was looking at that that's probably the best single season that any of these guys have but vladi's got like 10 years of of being really good and if you want to look at some playoffs um you know 83 it's a best of five series them versus phoenix Vladi's averaging 18 9 and almost six assists or 5.6 assists um it just it's a really diverse skill set and it's a lot of longevity at a, a very high level and then yeah listen i'm a lakers fan i watched Shaq punk his ass time and time again but also like hey vlade was arguably one of the best defense like best individual defenders against Shaq. like he was because he's yeah. huge and he was, was not afraid to flop one of the pioneers of flopping oh yeah uh you know like outside of the robinson duncan dual combo you know going up against Shaq in the early 2000s was was like a death sentence for guys and Velade hold his own is probably too strong but Velade did not get demolished or embarrassed as much as Shaq would like to say defense is a really interesting thing because Dikivin Mutombo is a better defensive player than Velade mm, but if you true, had to true. pick someone to guard Shaq's in the 2000s in 2001 or 2002 despite Dikembe winning defensive player of the year you would take Velade I mean, I'm going to take Rick Smith's, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about Smitty. <laughs> well, Smith's, Smith's is, is good because he pulls Shaq away from the basket, but that that's off. That's offensively. And because he's Gumby and Lanky, and when Shaq hits him, the arms flail, and like, you don't need to <laughs> flop. It just, just goes down. But also the length. The, there's a lot of advantages that Rick Smith's has in defending Shaq. On that, my, um, go ahead. That's that's my Vladi case, is that Vladi. Uh, plays at a near all-star level for uh, about a 10-year span. Doesn't quite hit the all-star level more than, I mean, he only gets it one time, but I just like what he does. I like the versatility in his game. And, you know, at a certain point, like, versatility matters? I think Vlade would have been first team All-NBA twice in 2015. Like, he hit the, he was, is the worst era. Like, he, the yeah. way he was making the all-star team, because I know it's two guards and three forwards, but he used to have, have centers in the ballot, right? And so... You know, Vlade wasn't making it over. He's probably like the the ninth best center most of the time. But I mean, DeAndre Jordan's making it. Yeah. On my super fun goodness scale, Vlade's best season is 16th in 1995. Alvin's best season is obviously 76, where he is seventh. I'm okay with Vlade. I think you're right. I think you're right. Are you okay going Vlade and then Alvin? Can I make the case mean? for? Can I make the case for my other two guys? We we. You can. No, you can. Let me let me. But we're saying Vlade. I I think Vlade. I had Vlade at fifty two. I had Brook at fifty one. So let me just let me just give you the Brook case. The Brook case is incredible high level scoring for a decade. Um, was it close to? I think it was. It was always just below twenty points points per game. Uh, yeah, There's twenty lot, and ten, and then it's eighteen and seven. Brooke was the eighteen and seven. Yeah, um, from twenty ten to twenty seventeen, nineteen point five seven in boards. And these are these are good scoring numbers, but absolutely atrocious defense. Just menial defense, couldn't guard a chair or a type of defense. Uh, and then the back half of his career, he reinvents himself. He goes from I'm not shooting any threes to let me become Splash Mountain, shooting a high percentage, and let me become one of the best drop defenders of all time. He is a one-time All-Star. We're back with the uh, accursed 
2013 Brooklyn Nets, which were a 49-win team. Um, really, it's you and I were discussing their, the Nets' terrible trade for Garnett and everyone else. One thing that we missed in that uh, in 2014, Brook Lopez only plays 17 games. And so it's kind of his absence that also really hinders the, the Nets who had just acquired Garnett and Pierce and fall from a 49-win team down to like a 500 team. So you've got you got the two arcs. You've got high scoring greatness, uh, and then you've got high level contributions to winning franchises, including the title as a defensive stopper and a stretch big. I, I know that it's all forgiven because the Lakers won the 2020 title, but ha- them having Brook Lopez for nothing in 2018 and then letting him walk for nothing it is oh, a yeah. huge blunder. And honestly, looking at his best reference page now, the fact that Brook's been in Milwaukee for six seasons now is kind of crazy. Like he was in Brooklyn for nine years and that, I mean, that's 2008 to 2017. That's basically my entire conscience childhood like that's like brooke has been a net he was a net for an eternity like he he spent his life in new jersey and then brooklyn i'm 90 percent certain that he holds the nets franchise scoring record he has scored he the most points which is just wild how does how does he have this record nets are an awful franchise that's why they were the nets are really bad i i think i i did my franchise ranking and they're bottom bottom 10 bottom 10 well i mean he's competing with like Derek coleman because even dr j wasn't there for very long and it's it's there's really not much it's joe johnson right but that was joe johnson it wasn't even there for that long it feels like he was there for a long time but it was it, it wasn't even he was mostly a hawk it's just so sad i'm pulling it up up here now and in total points not sure where where are points basketball reference give it give it to me hey rick barry has their points per game uh lead that's absurd <laughs> one it's like what's one year in the aba right yeah uh buck williams is four mm-hmm. points behind brooke lopez i think the nets need to unretire buck williams i don't care that he's like 56 right now <laughs> just put him in let him get five he points. could get him six points right you know a couple yeah. layups okay That'd he's 63 funny. that that might kill him could a 63 year old score six points but five points technically i keep saying six because it's just three buckets i just don't feel like our free throws the best way to do it maybe you just leave him out there so whenever a team gets a technical foul you just bait text oh. so that way he can, he can get out there <laughs> here's this cherry picking just four on five and if it works out sling it down court yeah but but that's that's my case for lopez do you do you like the case for lopez over adams of this i, I see you're leaning into peak which like we, yeah. we've discussed peak over longevity, but I think when the the peak is one season during a, a split versus a longevity of like ten plus years, I'm just I'm liking the longevity a little bit more at that point. I think I'm still gonna take Alvin just because the peak is so much better, but it's also a fairly comparable career in terms of like his contributions to the '76 team are much better than any contributions to these great Milwaukee teams, which have been really great in terms and some of the best defenses ever with mm-hmm. Burke and Giannis, um, with with Alvin helping them make uh, two other conference finals. And you, you can see, you can see it to how it's pretty similar, but I, I take that 76 season. You take that very seriously. Yeah, I take it, <laughs> I take it seriously. Okay, so if we go Vlade at 51, Alvin at 52, do you like Brooke for 53 or do you have someone you like over Brooke? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, Brooke at 53. My next highest guy on the board is DeAndre Jordan. All-NBA first team. Yeah. A defensive anchor. Who are the second third teams? Just uh, like uh, that season, just for context. I just want everyone to know. It's it's not good. Um, <laughs> Is it Marcus Saul and Andre Drummond? 
I believe it is. Uh, it might be Demarcus Yikes. Cousins and Marcus All because Marcus All. Yeah, I know. I missed half the season. If, if it's Demarcus Cousins and Andre Drummond, we need we can't we can't take that seriously. All right, it is Demarcus Cousins second team and Andre Drummond third team. Yes. Jeez, man. Uh no, nah, it's just okay. My nomination. I'm going shock. Just accolades respecting the era. Center Wayne Embry, Hall of Famer, five time All Star, 1968 champ. Are the numbers incredible? Not really. He gets up to top 10 in rebounds per game for a bit, but those five All Star seasons from 61 to 65, 16 points and 12 rebounds or 11 and a half. Are those Royals teams fantastic? No, but five All Star teams, I'll respect it. They, were, they had something going on. I know it's a different era where there's um, less teams. And therefore, all star like all star nods are kind of less valuable. But five of them, mm-hmm. when, I mean, no one. I, mean, I don't think anyone else on this list is going to be close to. Does anyone else have four? It's three. Does anyone else have three? Uh, Red Robbins has four. Where, where's my Red Kerr? Red Kerr, Kerr has, has three. three. Yeah. You want to just say they they knew what they were talking about back then? Not not particularly. 1963 Eastern Division Finals game uh, goes to seven against Boston and against Bill Russell. Embry scores 16 points per game and 13 boards on 42% shooting. That's a pretty good series against Russell. And in that game seven, Wembry has 18 points and seven boards. Yeah, it's it's fine. Just it's it's fine, but it's you know it's still like top 15 ish scoring and top 10 ish rebounding for that era. We'll we'll, we'll keep them noted because there's no yeah. way DeAndre Jordan is better than, than that. I'm, I'm, no. I had Embry down at 57, so I'm not, I'm okay. not too far Wait. behind. Let's um, well, let's do Rick Smith's. It's isn't it's time, isn't it? You it's know, my next guy. Really? Yeah. So I, I was really kind of surprised about you know looking more into Rick Smith's. I wasn't I wasn't feeling him as much as I thought I would be. I'm usually usually a pretty pro Rick Smithsy kind of guy. What's what's your take for Smiths to be at 54? He's the Pacers Alvin Adams. It's basically the same. It's it's uh. All these guys are basically the same. This is 12 years um, and uh, with the same franchise and 15 points a game, six boards. The passing isn't there, but Smiths and Reggie Miller are like co-captaining some pretty great, very consistent Pacers teams. Throughout the 90s, uh, they are. I I looked into some of their deeper playoff runs because they make the Eastern Conference Finals. uh, they, They make it three times in the 90s. They make it again in 2000. But just looking at at those uh, 90s runs, you've got 95. And in 95, they're playing Orlando, which is is the Shaq Orlando Magic. And um, it's tied 2-2, goes into game five. And Smith ends up fouling out, but first puts up 20 points on nine for 11 shooting, eight boards, four assists. Uh, just a great game. He is the best pacer in that game. Uh, then in 98, they go to seven with the Bulls. Um, and Indiana wins game six by just three points. Smith's it's in that game, puts up 25 points on 11 for 12 shooting. Missed one time. Reggie Miller, two for 13, eight points. Yeah. 99, Smith has, uh, has a couple of rough games. Uh, a rough game in game five, they end up losing in six. But in game six, 20 points, nine for 18 shooting, fine. Reggie, three for 18 against the Knicks. The Nick killer kind of fell apart there. A little bit. Uh, with Smith's, his height... And his shooting ability, just from little, like longer mid range, was so valuable in that era. Given 
um, the amount of elite shot blockers and just huge dudes in general mm-hmm. that roam the paint. And the Pacers built just a beautiful team with like Dale Davis and guys who could make up for the lack of rebounding that Smith wasn't providing because he wasn't very close to the basket offensively. And between Smith and Miller and the rest of the guys they had, they they were pretty consistently great. Um, yeah. Looking at like some some series like against the Knicks in '95, Smith overall is 23 points and six boards. Or in '98 against the Bulls, 16 points and five boards. He's he's really contributing. He played 21 playoff series in his career. Yeah, I, the Winchers don't quite show him as good. I think a big part of that is just the lack of rebounding that mm-hmm. you would expect from a seven foot four guy. Um, but also they had the Davis brothers, Dale and Antonio, and those those were the muscles getting the rebounds. Uh, and Smith's was kind of much more of a modern defensive scheme where he was like the big back line into kind of Rudy Gobert, get the shot blocking while the other guys cleaned up the boards. So it's, it's a lot higher than I have them, but I don't hate it. I, I do kind of actually really like it. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. He's in, he's in, he really likes it. We're doing it. It's a huge jump up from the matrix. He's 421 in the matrix. And we're, we're going to be talking about him in like the, the 250 or 225 I, I, range. I feel like that really hits him with, um, the lack of rebounding where we understand that the lack of rebounding came from just a different play style. Cause looking at like his shot attempts, it's in the late nineties, him and Reggie are taking like 14, 15 a piece. Basically it's not as much. And we talk about that a lot, how Reggie isn't really like this insane leader of the D of the offense. And it's kind of a, a, a really nice collective. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the lack of rebounding, also lack of awards and we can, understand the rebounding due to play style and the team construction. We can also understand the lack of awards due to 90s were just brutal to try to be an all-star center or all-NBA center when, you know, you just look at who were the centers in the East. You had Shaq, you had Patrick Ewing, you had Alonzo Mourning, and you had Dikembe Mutombo for part of the time. I know he was mm-hmm. in the West and the East, bounced back and forth, but, like, that's that's a pretty good cluster of centers trying to make it against in the East and all NBA, you also got to toss in Hakeem and David Robinson. So like, yeah, looking at his highest all NBA placement, which is 28th in 98 above him, Jason Williams of the Nets, Hakeem Olajuwon still hanging around. Alonzo Mourning are the three non all NBA centers. And then Dikembe Mutombo, David Robinson and Shaq. So he's like a top six, seven ish center in the league. I'll take it. All right. Uh, can I interest you in a Billy Pulse? You can actually. That's my next. That's a uh, well, not my next guy, but he's he's close, a couple spots away. Three-time ABA All-Star plays from seventy-one to eighty-five with the New York Athletics, San Antonio Spurs, and Houston Rockets, kind of bridging NBA and ABA times. Uh, and I, I found this absolutely wonderful Bob Ryan quote. Bob Ryan, of course, the greatest Celtics homer outside of Bill Simmons, outside of the Ringerverse, because they got a lot of other Celtics homers out there. The, the quote is, I consider Pulse to be just another nobody ABA center, but he showed no respect for Cowens. He rebounded over him. He scored over him. I saw that and said, what is this? I started to wonder if I dismissed the ABA too quickly. Pulse is uh, Dr. J's center mm-hmm. for the Nets. Then he goes to the Spurs in the last year. The ABA jumps over to the NBA and still is pretty effective, like 15 and 8. Um, plays all up until age 36, 1985. So you see that longevity. A lot of guys in the ABA join the NBA and they're pretty old and it falls apart where Paltz really maintains his effectiveness. Um, 
and also kind of a interesting like kind of a big part of the 81 rockets making the finals mm -hmm. which is probably the last thing anyone thinks about when they think about Paltz. but after kind of being dead in the water the last three playoffs he plays all 21 games um, right next to moses malone 34 points at 12 um sorry 34 minutes per game 12 points per game seven boards really steps it up that's kind of a big reason why they go from mediocre to finals run is paltz plays more and tom Janovich plays less yeah and you know paltz to speak to some of those aba things in 74 he is averaging 17.7 and 15.2 um, or sorry, that's that's on the 72 team. But he, he's winning titles in 74 and 72. He is, he's arguably the second best guy in the 74 team behind Irving ahead of Larry Keon. Uh, it's, it's a distant second, but I think you can make that case. Also, fun fact, his nickname is the Whopper, actually named after Burger King. That's very nice. The Whopper. Okay. I'll keep that in mind when we're, when we're, when we're replacing him. Are we placing him now? Led the ABA uh yeah yeah led the aba in blocks 1976 in the 74 finals 15 points 10 boards in the 72 finals which they lose 19 points and 14 boards that's with barry though isn't it uh 74 or 72 70, 72 had to double check didn't write it down I'm pretty sure rick barry's rick barry's nets and then he's basically 20 and 14 27 playoff series, won, a, won 12 of them, made it to three finals. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. All right. So that gives us uh, five guys. Flotty, Adams, Lopez, Smith, Pultz. Is it now time for me to talk into DeAndre Jordan? You could not do that. <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> I was going to say something more profound, but that's, that's what came out. Um, all right. My rule is Tyson Chandler has to be ahead of Jordan. I will accept that. I, I had Tyson okay. Chandler few guys down uh chan i have jordan bill cartwright tyson chandler my next couple of guys up okay let's do chandler a ton of games 2001 the 2001 two season to 1920 i mean to make it basically that's 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 a good 20 years almost 19 seasons he's a one-time all-star three-time all defense all nba and defensive player of the year in 2012 and just a massive part of the, the 2011 championship for Dallas. He grabbed rebounds and defended the rim at a high level for almost 20 years. That That's basically the Chandler case. And at his peak was an, an incredible rim protector. And his block numbers aren't crazy, but that's just what he was so good at is being seven foot with a massive wingspan and super mobile for that era and being able to cover ground as the league got a little bit quicker. Him going from um, like the Knicks in 20. 11 22nd defense up to the fifth best defense when he jumps that when he jumps from the Mavs to the Knicks it's it's an automatic game changer absolutely and I think one thing that people will kind of get distracted by is the low block numbers he never averages two blocks a game but part of that is blocks are a terrible way to look at defensive players a, a really good way is kind of look at what the field goal percentage is when that guy is near them uh, and how much he disrupts it and another way is just look at like that defensive rating when they are on the floor. And Chandler passes both of those tests with flying colors. He is absolutely a, a great defensive player of this era. We see him getting the depoy. We see him getting some of that recognition. But I think that's where some people go astray is they look and they're like, best season was 1.8 blocks. Well, blocks wasn't what he did. He, what he did was stop the other team from scoring. Blocks uh, are, are just a testament to how willing a player is to take defensive risks. And sometimes that's not a good thing. 
Like Hassan Whiteside has a block title. I think it's like 2019. Mm-hmm. Hassan Whiteside block title in Portland. But he really had like because that team was so bad, there was no consequences for him just rotating way out of position and hunting blocks. He was never that good defensively. He was just huge and athletic and, and willing to go out there and alter shots. But for every shot he blocked, he probably made a mistake on that rotation four or five times. Where Chandler was pretty much perfect. And just to know, 37 minutes per game against the Heat in the finals. That's the most I have any playoff series he's played. That's huge minutes on the biggest stage. It's one of my big knocks against guys like Mark Eaton is uh, Eaton has like a ton of seasons where he's, you know, three to four blocks a game. I think he's got one where he's five, but he's also almost matching a a block of foul ball and he can't stay on the floor because of minutes. He's always in foul trouble and he's just going to swing at everything. Uh, I'd rather have a Tyson Chandler type of defense where he's going to get there. He's going to be vertical. He's going to force you to try something. I mean, hell, I might even take a Roy Hibbert type of defense if Hibbert was. I mean, is Mark Eaton even on this list? No, 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 no. Mark Eaton Eaton's a ways away, but some people fall in love with those block numbers. So. I, I don't think he, well, he's not even on the in my top 100 like that's I don't know if that I don't know if that's fair, but we'll get there when we get there. I don't that I agree. I think I don't think he's going to be top 75, but eventually it's like, would you rather have him or, or Enos Cantor? Would you rather have him or Andre Drummond? Drummond. Yeah. Like the win, like the worst way. <laughs> I'd rather I'd rather have Drummond. Um, I'd, right. rather, I'd definitely rather have Hibbert. OK, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. But. Okay, I'm still just floating out Wayne Embry, five-time All-Star Hall of Famer. I will take Wim, Wayne All Embry right. here. I had him at 57 on my initial list. It is lower, but you know we, we can have some compromise or put, put him over Jordan and Cartwright. I want to hear, I'm ready, I really am, for the DeAndre Jordan case. Can you make it? The DeAndre Jordan case is we compare players to their era. Um, and part of, of the DeAndre Orton case is the fact that it wasn't a very good center's era, um, which allowed Jordan to be one of the best players of that era. No one else that we're looking at and talking about ever really has a claim to be one of the best players at the position. Jordan does. And this is a, a transitional time from the NBA where they're still trying to figure out how do we move to small ball or skill ball. And he tears up teams by just being one of the best players role men um him and chris paul their pick and roll or him and blake griffin in their pick and roll was just a a devastating weapon and that the nba didn't quite know how to deal with and yes a lot of that is chris paul's passing to hit him on the money chris paul has turned bismack biombo into a great roller for last year in phoenix he's helped a lot of guys but also deandre jordan was like the greatest role man weapon of let me run jump and get something on offense and then on defense he did what was asked. He protected the paint really well. He was a good defensive center. He was awake. He was engaged. And he was active. You know, I mean, there's there's probably a five-year stretch where if your team is not going to be built around a center, you probably want DeAndre Jordan. He's probably the best available center for you if you are not going to build your team around him, which is kind of what we're talking about is a lot of guys who are their team's second to fourth options. Just massive, massive stats. Uh, that's five straight uh, field goal percentage titles and two rebounding titles and in 2015 that's 15 rebounds per game that's a ton of rebounds for anybody now the thing with like andre drummond is he got those rebounds but didn't defend the rim at all but deandre jordan definitely did just by being huge and super athletic like one of the most athletic centers i know we see deandre now there's not much going on but like 2015 2014 even earlier than that 
DeAndre is just this hyper-athletic center um, that really kept defenses honest because you could throw it anywhere and he would come down with it. I honestly think like there are a lot of flaws of the Lob City Clippers, Chris Paul's health, Blake Griffin's health, Doc Rivers. Relying on Paul Pierce. Yeah, relying on Paul Pierce and Wesley Matthews and whatever other small four, uh, whatever, uh, not Derek Williams, Wesley Matthews, not sorry, Wesley Johnson. Wesley Johnson is the... Matt Barnes. Matt Barnes. I think before DeAndre's free throw shooting is like Jamal Crawford, not very good, can't guard a cone. Um, JJ Redick, great three-point shooter, horrible defensively. Like, go ahead, try to guard Golden State with with those two guys. Um, Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Perfect. Andre Jordan. It just, you know, it's the, it's the right position. It's the right player for the time and the era. And there also is a fair amount of longevity as to how many years he was at this level and good. Whereas we've got some other guys that, you know, weren't level for that long. So uh, who is your nomination for 59? Can I offer you Jeff Ruland? I like a Jeff Ruland. Make the yeah. case. Nick Filthy is his nickname. Ruland gets injured at age 28, but and really is banged up prior to that. But in eight in um age 25, 26, two all-star seasons, he's 22 points, 12 boards, four assists, and 84. And while you think like, yeah, but it's a good stats, bad team, not really. The Bullets win 35 games um and then 40 games the next year. They're very much still able to put together a winning team um with Ruland. It's not like a a super Brad, like a Bradley Beal Wizards case where if he's averaging 30, that team probably kind of sucks. I am just, I think this is probably the last player we're going to even talk about that's able to be an entire offense, to be 20, 12, and four. A great passer to um, a, a great scorer and a competent rebounder. What do you think about Jeff Ruland? Also, sorry, before you say that, ran the break like a maniac. Dude would yep. get boards, hustle down, and he's just so big and so tanky that no one was stepping in front of him. He had a really soft touch. One half of the uh, Beef Brothers um, is eventually traded for Moses Malone and two first-round picks, uh, him and Cliff Robinson. Yeah, there's a lot to like about Jeff Rulin. It is a little bit brief, um, so I did have a couple guys ahead of him. Uh, Red Robbins, I think I, I think we need to get Red Robbins over him. Just uh, just, just from a standpoint of what Red did and what Red was able to accomplish, but I, I do, I do really like Jeff Ruland. Uh, can I, can I make the Red Robbins case? Yeah, please. I was going to ask you. Get it's Robbins. An, Go ahead. It's an All ABA case, uh, but it is a four-time All Star. Uh, first, first five seasons, he's averaging fourteen and a half and twelve and a half. If, um, but he's like on kind of some of the more star-studded teams, like. He's uh, in 68. He's behind Doug Moe and Jimmy John, Jimmy Jones, both of whom we've ranked. Uh, he's probably the third guy, but he still is dropping 41 points and 23 boards in game one of the 68 finals. I, yeah. I think there's a lot of maybe not superstar, uh, but he's he's been described as one of the ultimate team players and that uh, he was just a true chemistry fit. Uh, and like even when he got moved and had to bounce around teams like uh, the stars general manager said, Letting Robbins go in the 72 expansion draft to San Diego was one of the worst gambles and mistakes I ever made as a general manager. Red was the ultimate team player. I didn't realize how much he meant to chemistry. I always respected his ability as a player, but I respect him even more as a man. He never complained about anything. He was great to the city. We'd send him out to every charity event. Uh, and he always accepted everything we asked. He accepted basketball was a business. I need a great attitude. I'm in. 
I, I I see the case. Um, on my goodness skill metric, he is his highest placement is ninth in nineteen sixty eight. It's pretty good, pretty solid. All right, so if we put him at fifty nine, ruling at sixty, sounds good to me. Perfect. Ten guys down, fifteen to go. You want to talk about Bill Cartwright, Red Kerr, Andrew Bynum? Andrew Bynum. Any any of these names uh, catching your interest? Let's let's do Cartwright. He had, he was the closest one, and uh, I th- I think uh, I think that's about right. Yeah. Also, like very similar cases to him and Ruland, where uh, they're really good initially. Um, you know, probably people of my age don't really think that much about Bill outside of his Knicks tenure, or sorry, outside of his Bulls tenure. But those first couple of years with the Knicks, he is uh, he's twenty and seven, um, twenty and eight. Uh, it's really good those first five years. There's with New York, the first two he was an All Star in eighty, another twenty points per game season in uh, eighty one. In 85, he injures his foot, misses the entire year. In 86, he tries to come back, plays just two games, gets injured again, basically doesn't I mean, doesn't play the rest of 86. A couple more middling years with the Knicks. Uh, he's nowhere near the same player. They trade him away to Chicago for Charles Oakley. And he becomes the inside force uh, that Chicago needs. It's not He's not a superstar. He's not an all-star, but he was early in his career, and then he contributes to winning at a super high level. In the playoffs for the Bulls repeat, he starts every game, 58 of 58, 27 minutes per game. He's just scoring seven points and adding four and a half boards, but he's playing his role perfectly. They're relying on him every single night. And he has the those first five years or four, you know, five years with the Knicks that he's he's a pretty high level player, including All-Stars rookie season. Yeah. All right. Who's your next uh, nomination? It is Andrew Bogut. I like it. I like it. And- Record, a world record, not just NBA record, world record for most illegal screens set in a career. The man that he set those. The Warriors built a dynasty not on Steph Curry and Klay Thompson shooting, but on Andrew Bogut's illegal screens. <laughs> the His statistical peak is, is to like 2010, 2011, where he's in 2010 for the Bucks. He's 16 points, 10 boards with two and a half blocks. 2011, all NBA, 13 points, 11 boards, a league high 2.6 blocks. Then gets traded, gets hurt, and then gets traded to Golden State, where he is their their starting center and one of the best rim protectors in the league. They're just asking him to grab rebounds and defend the rim and set hulking screens while moving his feet every playoff game. And he does it, and he does it, and it's winning basketball. And I think like Draymond is so important defensively, but Draymond is able to be so destructive at so many levels because he had... Um, or he was allowed to be extra, extra destructive, more so than he would be because he had a Clay Thompson guarding wings and then a Andrew Bogut behind him de- really defending the rim. Because Draymond, while a great defensive player, isn't a fantastic rim protector given his size. That That's just the nature of the game. And with Bogut back there and Thompson ahead of him, I mean, the Warriors couldn't be scored on because Draymond was just playing basically strong safety, blowing up any any plays in between. I love Andrew Bogut. This is too high. We we will get too there. High? Okay. This is this is a little bit too high. I mean, you know, <laughs> we can talk about all of those dirty screens, but we also need to look at the fact that in the playoffs, in the fifteen and sixteen runs, he's averaging less than twenty minutes a night, less than five points a game, seven boards, which is nice. But like, <laughs> we, we will those get screens, there. dude. They wouldn't have won it. They would. The, those Warriors teams are lottery teams without those screens. Zaza Pachulia came in and replaced him. <laughs> Okay, but they, they they had Kevin Durant. They had Kevin Durant at that point. That's different. True. 
True. Okay. But but they were a dominant team with and without him. He is very inarguably the fifth best player, maybe the sixth best player Fine, on who? those Warriors. Well, it's Steph Harrison Barnes. Barnes, get get out of here. Yeah, right. <laughs> He's just that's just not true. That's not true. Hey, they needed rim protection. Hey, Aaron, who was the Barnes. death lineup? It was okay. It was without Bogut, but they still needed him. Yeah. The death, the death lineup was like in spurts. We're gonna play small and just rain threes, but they couldn't do it all game because of Bogut. I think you're right. It's too early. You want to hear my next nomination? Sure. It is Sam Lacy. Sam Lacy. Sam Lacy. Really, guy. He did not make my top seventy-five. What's uh? Really? What did you see with Sam? I I just I fell in love with the the versatility, and obviously he played eleven seasons with the the Kings, which I liked. 1970 to 83 makes one all-star team career averages of 10 points 10 boards and 3.7 assists 1975 makes the all-star team with 11 points 14 boards and five assists um along with 2.1 blocks and 1.7 steals if you're looking for great stats it's right here um the only centers to have an 11 point 14 rebound five assist season are well bill kareem um i forget the um I mean the assists. The assists here are the limiting factor yeah. for a lot of guys. Uh, I don't. I don't think Jokic or Sabonis have 14, 14 boards per game. Maurice Stokes does. It. I guess. I guess it's fair. The, um, the... So it's like it, also also being like a pretty great defender statistically with um, at least a disruptive one and makes the playoffs a couple times with the Kings, including being the starting center on the eighty one team that makes the conference finals averaging 35 minutes per game in that playoff run so there's some some playoff value some some cool statistical stuff some longevity with a thousand over a thousand games played a thousand and two games played yeah if he was in a lakers jersey you, you would have had him 51st if he was in a lakers jersey he would have contributed to some titles or actually he won <laughs> yeah, something sure. but he's in Maybe. a king's jersey so uh who he's do you just, have just contributing to ping pong balls <laughs> my next size guy is red kerr uh, three-time All-Star, 55 champion, you know, averaging mid-15s and 12 to 14 boards a night. You're right, he doesn't get there in the assists, but uh, we can look at from 57 to 64, 15 points, 13 boards, three assists, or two and a half assists. Probably a starter. They didn't keep track of game started for the 55 Syracuse team, the 14 and 10 in that playoff run. It's not as sexy of yeah, 55, 55 Syracuse is basically like the worst era in NBA history. It is. Mike and Leaves and Russell's not there yet. He's averaging 10 points and six boards in the regular season. I see I see the value. And I like, you know, for a, a guy who starts his career in 54 to get to 66 is really impressive. 900 games. But you really have that over Sam Lacey? Well, so the fun, fun thing is uh, we've had Alvin Adams, who's, who was cl- – Declared the best passing center since uh, Red Kerr. Um, and then who was the other guy? Uh, Wayne Embry said that he was the second coming of Red Kerr. So both of these guys have compared themselves to Red Kerr. And I have a super fun fact about Red Kerr. Okay, I'm interested. Red Kerr was a ginger whose wife's name is Ginger. That's right. I remember you You told me about that. It's ginger goes... It's, it's ginger Red Kerr. and Ginger Kerr. Man, that's good. Yeah, all right. You got me. Let's to, do it. To the best of my knowledge, <laughs> zero relationship to Steve Kerr. They could be distant cousins. It is spelled the same way, but uh, neither basketball reference page lists it. Kerr's dad, I know, was, um, I believe he was a teacher. Uh, I was in the. Did you know that 
did you know the Grant family is massive in the NBA? Oh, I didn't yeah. know that Jeremy, Jerry, and Harvey and Horace are all intermingled. I did not know that. I didn't think it connected, but it does. No relationship to Grant Hill, the no. most famous Grant. That's true. No, nah, but yeah, Har- it's Harvey Grant was pretty good, and Horace Grant was even better. Dad and a uh, dad and uncle there for Jeremy and Jerry and and, Jer- and Jariah or something. I, there's a third one. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of interconnected Grants. It would be fun someday to like go through and and, and the NBA do a family combo tree rankings. Yeah, yeah. But, okay, so we have Kerr at sixty-two. Yeah, I'm still hanging on to Lacey. Um, could I interest you in a Cal- Caldwell Jones? One-time All-Star, two-time All-Defense. Of uh, center, he's an all-star in the ABA, but then becomes all-defense in the NBA. He is the starting center, 36, 35 minutes a night for Philadelphia in two finals runs. Um, lower numbers, but he's there for defense and that impact. We're looking at was it twelve hundred games, uh, twelve hundred ninety-nine games. So amazing longevity. Is he the seventies? Because he plays for a while, right? It's like seventies into well into the eighties. 74 to 1990 well well into the 80s how about all of it (laughs) yeah um is he essentially the tyson chandler equivalent of that era i think he's got to be there's there's zero offense in this man's game we're looking at one series where he averaged more than 12 points per game in all of his playoff career but he is just always out there for for defense and rebounding Uh, and he does those two things very well he is um just just statistically a very good defender, always recognized as such, uh, and put into a lot of big games. He plays in 27 playoff series, is 14 and 13 in them, but there's also a couple of years where like that's the end of his career and he takes a loss playing nine minutes a night in the playoffs. So can't can't fault him too much for that. I don't know if I'm quite ready for him. Um, okay. I had him quite a ways down. Picks up an MVP vote in 1981. Yeah, I bet he does. <laughs> All right, um... <laughs> All right, all right. So we, we'll we'll highlight him. We'll highlight Sam Lacey. I'm not opposed to Lacey making it. Um, yeah, but too early. But but too early. Okay, I'm gonna give you two offense only centers. These guys are getting you buckets, twenty points per game, and some all star some all star appearances between the two of them. And I'll let you pick because it's so close. Would you rather have Nikola Vucevic or Al Jefferson? Vucevic. All right, Vucevic. It is. I, I vu just a little bit down. We've kind of discussed around all the other guys. Um, let's see. I vu as my 64th center. So 63, moving him up one spot. Not going to kill me at all. All right. Just for um for Vucevic, I do want to make fun of him for a second. He made, I think, in all, he made the All-Star team in 2021. And since then, in the past three seasons, he's been referred to as the Bulls' third All-Star. That's the furthest I've ever seen someone stretch out two injury alternate all-star appearances. I'm pretty sure he was at I like 99% sure. Can I double check that really quickly? Absolutely. But do you want to guess what the Bulls big three has been redubbed by Zach Lowe in one of the most recent low post episodes? It's got to be the mid three, right? That's what I've been calling it. Uh, no. In tribute to the three alphas, these are the three betas. <laughs> That's so mean. That's just, you don't have to be so mean about that. Right? Now, 2019, he is a legitimate all-star. There's only one only one injury replacement, which is Oladipo is hurt, and then D'Lo gets his all-star nod. So that doesn't fully surprise me that he actually really got one, because that, that 2019 year, uh, it, it's 20 points and 12 boards, which 
it is a good stat line, and Orlando makes the playoffs. They are 42-40. and 40. He put up numbers that actually contributed to something, and he got Evan Fournier to the playoffs. This team's starting lineup yeah. is DJ Augustine, Jonathan Isaac, Aaron Gordon, and Evan Fournier. I love that the big three of him, Gordon, and um, Isaac. I guess Oladipo earlier on that didn't that never materialized. Twenty twenty one, not an injury alternate either. I just lied. I spread misinformation on the internet. It's as easy as that. Um, as there that. are here the injury alternates that year were Booker for Mike Conley. Uh, Davis gets hurt and wait, sorry, Mike Conley oh, this, was. This is a this is a triple. A, they're a triple. Um, Okay, so Booker gets Anthony Davis gets hurt. That's where it starts. Replaced by Booker, then Booker gets hurt, and Conley gets a replacement, which he never should have gotten. Um, Durant gets hurt, Sabonis gets replaced, and then Embiid and Ben Simmons get COVID and can't play. Listen, we needed Mike Conley to make one stuff, but we could stop with the he's the best player to never make an All Star team. That was that was the worst thing that ever happened to him, though. Like he could have been the best player to ever take an All Star team. Now he's just a one time All Star. It's not fun anymore. I'll take it. I'll take it. Give me back Lamar Odom, best player to never make an all-star team. It's not true. 20, but. For Vooch, 2014 to, to, to now, he's been 18 and a half points and 10 boards with three assists. Yeah, let's do it. Lock him. Boom. 13 guys down, 12 to go. All right. Lay it on me. Could I interest you in Swin Nader? Yeah, you could. I had him okay. ways down, but I'm a huge fan. So first off, I want, I want to say this because I, I've heard this so many times. People have called him one of the best all-stars to not be a starter. Swin Nader was a fucking starter. I don't know who says this or why they say it. Um, but but I've heard people say that. I'm like, no, we just didn't track starters. But you're playing 34 minutes a night. You're starting. Uh, his first two years in the ABA, 15 point, or 14.6 points, 14.5 boards. Uh, the man was like a tireless energy machine trying to impact the game on offense. And I, I know we have other rebounders that we may or may not discuss in Andre Drummond. So I'm not going to base the whole case around it, but he was doing that in service of helping the team. This was not me rebounding my own boards, but let me get everyone else's. Referred to as like a, just a huge guy. People describe him as being like built of all muscle. The Spurs paid $300,000 to get the rights to Swin Nader in 70 something. Uh, it's like it was 74. The, it was the greatest amount paid for a player for his rights at that time. Paid off, though. There has been one person yeah. in basketball history to lead the ABA and the NBA in rebounds per game. And that was Swin. Swin Nader. Swin Nader. Wait, no. This, Moses this Malone a... has to have done that. How is Moses Malone not done? No, Moses played like one season in the ABA. How did he not lead them in rebounds? He was 19. <laughs> he was so? a kid. He averaged fourteen point six. This was not crazy for me to think that that would have led the league. I would, yeah, but it was one season. I would have remembered that. Yeah, I just, I knew he had just had an insane uh, rebounding season. Uh, but this is at, this is a great pick, Sven Nader, Bill Walton's body pillow. I mean, I I, I love it, man. I mean, um, for those that don't know, Nader was brought on to UCLA because the UCLA team did not have anyone to practice against bill walton and they wanted a seven footer to battle with him and through the fire and the forge of playing bill walton every day so nader ended up being pretty good yeah yeah really solid aba career transitioned into the nba pretty well well you know obviously not as well as his aba career but uh yeah i'm not gonna hold that too much against him 
can that that has to be a real nickname on here he has no nicknames you tell me bill walton's body pillow wouldn't fit <laughs> they're playing together on the, on the clippers again <laughs> they're on the clippers together man old times or old old friendships how did he, how did swin jump before bill bill's he's in the nba i guess he only played two seasons of college he only his two seasons in college are 22 and 23. I guess also at this time, freshmen weren't allowed to play. You had like the freshman squads. So you only ever see guys with three years. Interesting. But all right, 65. Might I offer you, if you're not interested in Caldwell Jones yet, I have two names. Uh, one of them you're going to like. One of them you're going to dislike. They are 320 and 321 in the Matrix. So back to back, we have Andrew Bynum and we have Brad Miller. That's interesting. I, honestly, I really thought I would have to talk you into Bynum. You're that into the uh, the Bynum experience. It's pretty brief, and he... Yeah, no, go ahead. I mean, I'm just curious what you have to say about it, because it is really brief, and he's a fucking moron. It's, <laughs> I think he's insane. <laughs> it's incredibly brief. He is... He's an idiot, but he he was instrumental to the winning of two championships and his absence really cost the Lakers a third. Um, Bynum does not play in the 08 playoffs, a fact that all Celtics fans love to forget, but then cry crocodile fucking tears over not having Kendrick Perkins the neck or in 2010. Like, yeah, our all-star young center who's averaging 13 and 10 is gone. Uh, and you guys nah, are Kendrick Perkins. They victory would have won if they had Perkins. Um, and, and then, so we've got the two rings, 09 and 010, where he does have some really high level series in that stretch. But also in 2012, his last year before blowing out his knee, he is 18.7 points, 11.8 hit boards night. He was vindicating everything, whichever the bus idiot bus brothers thought when they drafted him and, you know, almost sabotaged the end of Kobe's career with, with this guy. Like he, he was validating that he was going to be the next piece and, uh, you know, it does get hurt and can't, can't deliver anymore. Um, also, we shouldn't ever let people forget about him just totally cheap shotting JJ Barea out of the 2011 playoffs, but there was real superstar potential here and there was contributions to winning at, at the did, highest level. Did Brea miss time because of that? I never, like I was 10. I remember watching it live. I remember that very specifically, but I don't remember what happened. I was actually, um, I was, my older brother was graduating from the Marine Corps boot camp during the 2011 finals. You have I think. Older brother? No, I, we were camping. The 2012 finals was yeah. My older brother is uh, he's 30. Oh. The 2012 finals was the the boot camp, and the 2011 finals we were camping. And so at the end of the night, at the very end, they're on the campfire. My dad would read the scores. He'd be like, "You want to who won the 2011 finals? It's like the Mavs won. It's like whoa." <laughs> so I wasn't. Uh, I was. Uh, I was I probably sugar pine if anyone in California knows what that is during the 2011 finals. Nice. Uh, no, JJ Perea did not miss any time. He does he does play a lot fewer minutes. Uh, the next series is against OKC, but that could also just be hey, it was hard to go against OKC's guards and they wanted a little bit more size on Westbrook. Um, but still a cheap shot. Biden just just took him out of the air. Can we do Lacey? Is it Sam Lacey's time? Is it too early? I, I still feel like it's too early. I mean. I don't think Lacey hits that peak that Bynum hit at that final year. And I don't think he contributes to winning as well as, as Bynum did in the earlier two years. I just, his minutes aren't 
big enough. Like in the two finals, he's seven points and five boards on 22 minutes per game. Like we 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 gave Bogut a bunch of shit for that, and I think Bogut is okay. probably more important. Bogut is like three points in the final. <laughs> like like Bogut is five he's, points he's, in the playoffs. A great defensive player. Great defensive player. Yeah, Bynum is all defense as well. No, he wasn't. No, you're right. He, he was wasn't. just all. He was all NBA. Sorry. Yeah, he's not that. Come on. Um, I I don't feel like I feel like I'd rather have Bogut than Bynum. But okay, I don't. Okay, Brad Miller's a bit too early. Okay. I, I had I had I had Bynum and Miller like seventy four seventy five. So I actually have quite a big chunk of people. Um, my next right. guy would be Zuntra Sogalskis. I had Big Z right after these two. I can easily take Big Z at sixty five. It's kind of a miracle that. Elgalskis played at all because he, oh, yeah. he comes into the league with a foot injury plays a full season is all rookie 14 points nine boards gets hurt the next year plays just five games misses the entire 2000 season misses like two-thirds of the 2001 season now he's 26 and finally like able to play basketball and age 27 makes the all-star team age 29 makes the all-star team and that point like he's 37 3 240 on the decline but the fact that he was able to squeeze out that kind of basketball is honestly really impressive and that 2007 playoff run all 20 games 32 minutes a night uh, 13 points 10 boards super important next to lebron and uh in getting that that pretty bad Cavs team to the finals but he is the second best player on that team I do find it kind of crazy that one of his all-star appearances comes when he is pretty much healthy the entire year and the team goes 17 and 65. Like, <laughs> hey, that that's good, though. Honestly, I, I like that in terms of ranking players, because if your team is awful and NBA like people, media, the fans are still like, no, like Agalskis is one of the best players in the league. That that matters to me. Or maybe it's just his home, his home country of uh of Lithuania voting for him. <laughs> okay, Lithuania would only vote him in as a starter, and I don't believe he was starting that game. I think it's more the East did not have centers because this is this is in the Brad Miller as an All Star center. This is Jamal McGlure makes two All Star center ranges. This uh this was not. I think we had McGlure. Did you have McGlure on this list at all? Oh no, God no. No, I, we talk a lot about the 2010s, mid 2010s is an awful era for centers that this is the worst one, though, like pre, post Shaq, like when Shaq starts to break down and before Dwight, um, well, it's because it's some, some pretty gnarly all star appearances. <laughs> it's because the center position was so powerful in the 90s that all of your centers start drifting, like the younger guys coming in, start drifting out like Garnett should have been a center. Duncan, we counted him as a center. Uh, he's still technically playing more power forward than center because they have Robinson in 03. But like Robinson, Garnett, Dirk uh, in the 90s, they would, these guys would be centers. Uh, and they just developed more to their game and played power forward next to a center instead. It's a great point. Good, good historical analysis. Do you want to do Big Z? Yeah, let's, let's do Big Z. Um, and then could we get a Brad Miller in there? Because I feel like Brad is, is basically on the same level as big z in this time period let's do it i remember um when we were trying to or we like the king's fandom was trying to get to marcus cousins in as an all-star um that was like the tagline was like make demarcus our the last all uh, king's all-star since brad miller and it's like that's really depressing it's really sad um, but I remember that. I remember uh, like the sack B and stuff. It's like the King's not an all-star since uh, since Brad Miller, the great Brad Miller. I saw him on an airplane one time 
um, going from we are go leaving Chicago and going to Sacramento. I am ninety percent sure that I rode a like tram from an air from an airplane to a terminal with Lade Divac, um, but I, I didn't say anything because I was in Croatia and I was like, you know, maybe, maybe it's just another giant Croatian or like, Yugos- you know, former Yugoslavian country. And I was like, I did not want to make that mistake on my first day in Croatia, but it was just this massive, <laughs> huge man. And I was like, I, I swear that's Vlade Divac. Uh, and I tried to get a picture of him, but couldn't really get like a, a good angle that wasn't super noticeable that I'm taking a picture of him. So I may or may not have. Maybe. Could have. I feel like that'd been obvious because he's huge. Mm-hmm. I met Peja Stjakovic. I was doing the scoreboard at uh, one of his son's nice. basketball games, and um, I took a picture of them. Like you don't realize when people are that big, they're like they're proportional, and so his head is like his head is huge. <laughs> it's like he just looks like he's like because he's easy six ten. I even saw him in the bathroom. I saw him in the bathroom, and I was still in the stall. <laughs> he was like, I was like, hey, like Peja Stjakovic is in here. Like looking, it's like, what? Um, anyways, okay. We have Brad at 66. All right, you're taking Sam Lacey and liking it. I, I want to say two things about Elgaskis before we move on. Please. Um, one, I just kind of want to sum up those games. Aside from 98, where he plays all 82, the other four out of his first five years, that combines to be just 29 games. One to sum that up. Man. And then the other two fun things that I have, one, he threw punches with Paul Pierce. Any man who punches Paul Pierce, good in my books. <laughs> Guess sir. <laughs> uh, and then two, he's top 60 in blocks, blocks per game, and offensive rebounds, or at least was in the summer when I was putting these numbers together. That's very impressive. That's yeah. good numbers. Good, good things for your big man to be good at. All right. We've gone long enough. Accept it. God, Sam Lacey. Accept it crazy stats all right can you promise me he'll make the list and i'll 100 oh, he will 100 okay. right. make the list leave i'll leave it alone for now. i have i have a fun nomination is it my turn or your turn it's your turn i want to talk about marcus canby okay we we have almost a thousand games 96 to 2013 this is a four-time block champ four-time hall defense and 2007 defensive player of the year from 06, 07, and 08, he is the block champ all three years. He's still chipping in um, 10, 12, 14 points per game in his rookie season. Now, he's able to offer more offense than like a Mark Eden or some of those guys. Um, but just crazy rebounding numbers. I mean, to play, he averaged 10 boards a game in 2011. He was 36 years old, and he's still averaging 11 boards. Um, that's uh, 10 years from 20, uh, 2001 to 2011 that's 10 points and 11 rebounds really great defensive stuff and when ewing gets hurt in the 99 playoff run it's can be that steps in and helps transition them like stabilize the ship and still make the finals absolutely i i had him back behind a couple of guys but i think i think this is a totally fair spot to put him with that defensive effort um i i cut my stats for him from 98 to 2008 which is an 11 season stretch and he averages 10 points, 10 rebounds and 2.7 blocks per game. He is a guy that does have the good block stats. And with his block stats, it is coming from rim protection, not just let me swing and follow guys. Um, You touched on a guy earlier when you asked me which good stats, bad team guy or like meaningless stats. Could we get Al Jefferson above him? Okay. Yeah, that's, I had him actually right behind him. So I, I could be convinced. 
I just think with Al Jefferson, I mean, the guy averages from 08 to 14, 19 points per game, 10 rebounds. He's got six seasons in the top of 15 in rebounds per game. Um, he is not good in the playoffs, but also he was with the Charlotte Bobcats. He makes an all-NBA team with the Charlotte Bobcats. Uh, just a masterful pump fake artist. And like, yes, you can look at Sprawlball and see how the league wanted to move out and how inefficient he was from like beyond three feet. But he was also really efficient within those three feet. And he got a good number of his shots in there. And he it, he attacked the paint so strongly that, you know, not many guys could do that. Um, so I, I think I think he's kind of been underrated as history has progressed. I, I'd like to get him in here. At, you know, 67. I love his 2015 season. Sorry, 2014 season. That's the All-NBA year helping the Bobcats to the playoffs with 22 points and 11 boards. I remember they play the Heat in the first round, and of course they lose, and of course they get swept. But Jefferson um, sprains his ankle in game three, and I was so mad because, of course, I was like 13, and I hated the Heat. I was like, no, like how (laughs) Jefferson was supposed to save us. Like he was supposed to supposed to defeat the evil Heatles and like destroy LeBron and he couldn't do it. Um, I'm on for Al Jefferson, just a good score and uh, a kind of underrated block numbers. Like we, we talk about that, like how maybe blocks aren't that important, but um, 1.2 blocks per game is higher than you'd think in, um, in 2011, 1.9 blocks is good for 10th. We're talking Al Jefferson top 10 in blocks yeah. per game, question mark, which he was. All right, so we put Jefferson uh, in at 67, Camby at 68. That leaves us with seven spots left, and I've highlighted four guys that have to make this list. Uh, okay. And Caldwell Jones, yeah. Andrew Bynum, Sam Lacey, and Andrew Bogut. You want to do... Okay, are those the guys you want next? Not necessarily in that order, and there's one more guy I want to toss in that I think has to make this list, which is Michael Thompson. Okay, yeah, I could see that. I could see Thompson. We still have some extra spots then. Um, I had Memento Core in here. I'm not, don't feel super strongly about it, but he's here. He was um, my 75, so. Okay, looks like yeah. we're basically on track. Uh, can we do Lacey first? All right, all right. I made you wait long enough. Sam Lacey, 69. Fine. Thoughts on Jones, then Bynum? Sounds great. So that, that's what I was thinking. All right. All right. Man, we, yeah, this is once we've talked about all of these guys for a long time, putting them in their final position is not that not, not that hard. Caldwell Jones over Bynum is just it's a longevity play. It's when they were competing for titles, they competed about the same level. Bynum has that one year of really high level performance, but I, I like Jones's playing for forever. A career that could drink almost. Actually, could it drink? <laughs> I think it could drink. <laughs> uh, it could drive. It was sixteen. <laughs> it could drive. <laughs> That's funny. All right, I have. You want to hear my final three guys? We have. Um, wait, wait, wait. That that only puts us at seventy-one. If we go seven, Jones at seventy, Bynum at seventy-one. So we got four guys left. Do you want to just lock Bogut in Bogut? Seventy-two. Okay. That. Yeah. I didn't type it in, but Bogut at seventy-two. Okay. And my final three guys are. Arvidas Sabonis, Memento Core, and James Edwards. Mm, bringing in Buddha. Mm-hmm. Buddha himself. I'll just give the, the Buddha case quickly. It's preposterous longevity. It's like longevity that makes you sick. Um, he has kind of two arcs where it's like 78 to, to 86, 22 to age 30, where he's 15 points and seven boards. So like statistically, he has like pretty consistent numbers. Um, and then he goes on to play for another half century. But he contributes to um, 
he's the he's the starting center in the 1990 Pistons playoff run, averaging 14 points per game in that playoff run, and then he's the backup center in the 89 playoff run. He also is around in the 1996 on the 96 Bulls. He's a good 40 years old. But he picks up another ring, but being um, the starting center, 27 minutes a night, 67 or the. Do you want to say the stats on the '96 run? Because <laughs> yeah, uh, sure, I'll say just the right, the right. <laughs> I said he was around. I said he was there for it. I think I think the 1.8 points in in 4.7 minutes in six games is perfect. He is there. He hung out. He got a ring. Um, but we have a starting center and a backup center on a title team, and he played in 1,168 games at 12.7 points per game. Dude could put the ball in the basket. Man, I I did not even look into uh, James Edwards for this. Um, it's just, just quite a ways down in the matrix. Um, but I, I don't entirely hate it. Uh, yeah, is, let me look at those Pistons huge. numbers. 14 oh. and a half points in, in all 82 games in the 1990, the 1990 season. And uh, as someone who did a... A finals rewatch of that 1990 finals he looked so good his offense was huge um what is it game two yeah 26 points it's um really impactful scoring single digits in game one low teens in the other two but i i'm not going to get buddha in into this uh i love buddha he will be in the top 100 oh heartbreaking but i i, I can't quite see him there you're going to hate me for this. Um, the four guys left on my board, or the, I guess the I've got Michael Thompson, mm-hmm. De- or Andre Drummond, Clint Capella, and Mamet Okor. Okay, so we have Okor. We both have Okor. Let's, let's do that first. 73. Memo. Money Man. No, no. We, we got to get Michael Thompson over. We, we got to. You want to do Thompson over him? Yeah. Can I, all right. Okor shooting threes, just, just for the people watching. Uh, one-time All-Star. On the 04 Pistons, but... Had his best seasons with the Jazz from 2006 or 2005, 2009, 17 points and eight boards, shooting three and a half threes per game. Known for his uh, his clutch shooting. So the, good good numbers. Um, what he's the one time All Star in 07. Uh, in that team, he is second in points and in rebounds and uh, win shares. The team had their wins. I want to say they were close to 50 wins that year, and they make the Western Conference Finals. But Okor, yeah, they make Western Conference Finals, but dear God, does Okor shit the bed in that Western Conference Finals? Uh, Western Conference Finals, seven points, four point, four and a half boards, 28% field goal shooting, just just absolutely falls apart in the 07 Finals. But otherwise, a really good year for him. I don't blame him. That's against Duncan, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's peak of his powers, Timmy D. Um, so we're going to do Michael Thompson. You want to do Thompson first and then Okor at 74? Yeah, I just want to talk about Thompson for a minute because Thompson Please. was a really great scorer, um, high energy player. Here for the Blazers, we're looking at seventeen and a half boards, uh, nine point three. Sorry, seventeen and a half points, nine point three boards from eighty one to eighty five. He kind of was the best Blazer until Drexler took over. Drexler also credits him for going to Blazers front office and saying, "Don't draft Sam Bowie." Michael Jordan's going to be really good. Him and Drexler will figure it out. Uh, you should do that. And uh, they didn't, and it didn't work out well. Uh, and then Thompson has some leg injuries, Is ends up bouncing over to the Lakers in 80, I guess they're in 87, but he's Kareem's backup in 88 and 89. And that kind of artificially suppresses his numbers because he's 
backing up Kareem. But when he gets out there or when Kareem is hurt, Thompson bounces back up and has a couple of 20-point game nights when Kareem's gone and uh, still really had the scoring. But you can see the sacrifice to try to try to be there as a, a good, try to be there and get a ring. And he does. And he does. He gets two of them. Um, yeah, he was really seen as like the the piece that made the '87 team so special. Um, after being an '86, uh, being Portland in '86, but I just want to talk about Thompson, a Blazer, because the Blazers had the Walden win the '77 title. Walden is the best player, arguably in the world, top two player in the world in '78. Wins MVP, gets hurt, tries to play in the playoffs, can't do it, gets hurt again. And then in that offseason, they trade for the first overall pick and take Michael Thompson. Thompson is a, is a great rookie, and then he breaks his leg. He, he injures his leg and misses the whole 1980 season. It's like a disaster for Portland. Um, could not keep their centers healthy, but really that was the right move because they had a contending roster around Walton. If they could just get another center to replace him because he, at the time, like was he was questioned if he could even continue to play with with his injuries and they did the right thing but thompson wasn't as special and uh and uh, could also uh got hurt so also some just terrible closeout performances uh from 81 through 85 that that stretch where he is really good 81 good 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 getting eliminated 17 points four boards nothing to be sad about 82 they don't make the playoffs 83 Six points, 10 boards, uh, five assists, only six field goal attempts the entire game. 84, uh, he gets hurt after six minutes and doesn't play again. Uh, 85, 8.7 boards, no assists, no blocks, two for seven. Um, some some really rough closeout stats here that uh, the modern age would, would love to pick apart, but still he got his team there. He kind of Julius Randled it up, except for without... Julius Randling in the regular season, like what Randall is currently doing. We have one last spot, Nate. One final spot. I'll let you offer some, offer your names, and I can pick from the bunch. You had a, you had another name that wasn't, um, wasn't James Edwards, but th- there was another name in there that I liked. I had Arvita Sabonis. Okay. I had Sabonis Okor, and I felt like I felt like Arvidas gets a little bit. I always want to give him a little extra credit, mm-hmm. a little bit, just for like for the. The mystique and but it, those are some really good Portland teams that that he's a part of. Um, I think he makes the playoffs every single yeah, he makes the playoffs every single year with them. Um, 98, 16 points, 10 boards, three assists, and just offered good run protection. The fact that he was massive, it's like seven three with like a head that looked like a bourbon barrel. I mean, he was truly huge. And in in the time you had to beat Shaq, like that was really important. So yeah, I ended up not having him in there because there's really just so little, um, so little NBA success. And like we can talk about how great he was overseas or how great he was in international competition, uh, but when we really boil it down, he comes to the NBA age 31, kind of broken down, not starting every game. Uh, he's averaging 14 points, eight boards, which is fine. 98. He's up to 16 points and 10 boards as he's kind of adjusted to the NBA. He is starting every game that year, but still, it's just it's it's very brief and it's really not as high as as one would have hoped for. Um, I'm not sure that I really love my next two guys over him. Like, it feels criminal to rank Andre Drummond or Clint Capella over him. But yeah, I, I, I just I just couldn't. <laughs> I think there are cases for them both. Um, you know, it's not Drummond's entirety fault that or entirely his fault that 
he was the best piston for a number of years. Uh, that that just feels like poor roster construction. And you can still look at that and say, hey, from six from 2016 to 2020, he has 16 boards and fifth or 16 points and 15 boards, which is just an insane statistical output. Like it's because he's missing his own shots. <laughs> he's 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 tip, he's taking jump shots and missing them, and then he gets it and misses it again. It's like Moses Malone. <laughs> Only five of the rebounds are offensive. Like like that's yeah. still ten defensive boards. It's it's not Can great. You sleep at night. Can you sleep at night putting Andre Drummond above Arita Sabonis? By my by my stats model, Sabonis was fifteenth uh, in nineteen ninety eight. I don't think I don't know where Drummond ever makes it. Drummond is eighteenth in twenty eighteen, twenty first in twenty nineteen, twenty ninth in twenty twenty, thirtieth in twenty sixteen. Yeah, let's let's do Sabonis. Yeah, it, it makes much me better. happier. It, it makes me happier. I, I don't know that I love it, but um, I really just can't get that excited for Clint Capella or Andre Drummond. Another name that I looked at for the spot was Ed Sadowski, which uh, there's some just brutal quotes about Ed Sadowski. Ed was the best player, one of the best players during World War II. Um, it's him and uh, not Doug McDermott. There's a different McDermott that was just insane for the Pistons in the NBL. So he was like, when the BAA got Ed, it was like, we have a star. We have our franchise guy, but it's a little bit of like MJ on the Wizards. And there's there's this brutal quote of like, yeah, watching Ed play makes me feel like the first part of his last name just sat. So I, I couldn't quite get him there even. That's not good. Not, no. not exactly a, a raving endorsement. No. All right, Nate, I read the top 50. You have 25 names to read. Oh, fine. All right. Uh, starting at 51, we have Vlade Divac, Alvin Adams, Brooke Lopez, Rick Smiths, Bill Paltz, Tyson Chandler, Wayne Embry, DeAndre Jordan, Red Robbins, Jeff Rulin, Bill Cartwright, Red Kerr. Uh, at 63, we have Nikola Vucevic, Swin Nader, Zildrunas Ilgalskis, Brad Miller, Al Jefferson, Marcus Camby, Slammin' Sam Lacey, Caldwell Jones, Andrew Bynum, Andrew Bogut, Michael Thompson, Mamet Okor, and at 75, Arvidas Sabonis. Sounds like a perfect list. We'll never change it. Sounds like a great list to me, but as always, to our listeners, email us hoopstemple at gmail.com. Make the case for someone that you want to be higher or lower. We love doing these lists, but man, there's not many people to fact check us. We have like a 19 or a 2011 uh, slam top 500, uh, and that is like it. No one ranks out this far, so if you've got opinions, let us know them. Please do. Aaron, where can the people find you? Possible shares on TikTok and this podcast all the time. Find me, Nate underscore Hoops Temple at TikTok. Also here and at the Hoops Temple at gmail.com email. Please hit us up.